right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. You don't got time that. All right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? What are we going to talk about today? Not a lot happened. Yeah, week, kind of right? a yawner. Yeah, um, I don't know. Maybe like curling or something. We can go through the Ken Palm. Yeah, we, well, there's uh, Winter Olympics coming up. There we go. Yeah, so, we'll, we'll spend all three hours on that today. No, but if you that. guys just tune out. <laughs> I wouldn't blame you because there's not much mm, to talk about no, on the sports show today. With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. Absolutely amazing <laughs> sports week. I mean, uh, from both a, a local and national perspective, like from a local perspective, you have not just the NFL playoffs, you have the Chiefs tie, you also have the KU game was uh, amazing, I mean, just improbable. You have a team come down from 16 and a half where the other team is making every single shot. But Nigel Pack the having the... Half. Game of his life, and you win on the road, and then on Sunday, it was remarkable yeah. what we saw last night. And and honestly, that like, like we talked about Friday, we talked about this all week that we thought the division round of the playoffs was the best weekend and of football, is, and this was the best weekend and, maybe ever of the division round, which made maybe less, that weekend the greatest weekend of football ever. Remember right? la- last week, Derek, we were talking about how. Um, you know, we're bringing up past memories, the divisional weekend, and we're you know the the Joe Flacco, you know, comeback over the Broncos. Yeah, I brought up uh, in '04 when the Rams and Panthers went to double overtime uh, in St. Louis that Saturday night. Then that Sunday, you had the no punt game between the Chiefs and the Colts, which, if you're a neutral observing fan, was an amazing game. Uh, and then that evening, again, if you're a neutral observer, that was when the Eagles needed to come back over the Packers converted a fourth and 26 to do it uh and, and anyway all of this and, and now anytime in the future when we talk about man i love the divisional round it's all going to be compared and <laughs> and against this divisional round and what i love derek is it was the best divisional round ever and the best game was the final one like they they went in nance and roma were talking before that game or before kickoff and even early on about man what an amazing you know, it's the the lowest. It had already been among the lowest uh, total combined margin of victory uh, in in divisional weekend history between the previous three games. And then, lo and behold, the game of the of the century comes in. Well, and the Chiefs have had obviously it's it's you know has been no secret the Chiefs have had playoff issues, and I think especially in the obviously before Patrick Mahomes in the divisional round. I think would probably be the main round where that has occurred, right? You think of the Lynn Elliott game in nineteen was that divisional round, yeah, right? Yep. Um, you think of the Steelers game uh, in the divisional round where the Chiefs were the two seed yep. and the Steelers didn't you, score a touchdown. Two, two years lost. later, the Chiefs, when Rich Gannon, when Elvis Gerbach got hurt in ninety seven, and Rich Gannon led the Chiefs to a great record. They finished thirteen and three, got the one seed again. And Marty Schottenheimer decides, well, I don't like giving away jobs based on injury, so he brings Gerbeck back as the starter. Chiefs lose to the Broncos 14-10. to That was the divisional round. No punt game. Mm-hmm. Divisional yeah, round. Was divisional round. 
And now, over the span of the Mahomes era, we have seen two of the most memorable Chiefs games of all time happen in the divisional round with the 24-0 comeback to the Texans and now what we saw last night. And, and we're going to talk some KU took, here because— It took—go ahead. I, I mean, that was phenomenal, too, and we'll talk about that in the next segment. But it's, it's just hard because, I mean— Honestly, I was planning coming into today, once we got to Saturday or, or Sunday morning, like, even if the Chiefs win, even if they lose, we were going to open the show with KU. I mean, yeah. it's such a big win. We are Rock Shock Sports Rock, yeah. Talk. But, like, not not even hyperbole, hyperbole, excuse me. That was one of the greatest playoff games of all time. Yeah, I, I don't know how you can, I mean, yeah. I mean, I you know, there's the Ice Bowl. Um there, I mean, you, there are other games that that are equal. I think I, I heard it, and I can't remember. I, I think I saw someone on Twitter. Somebody, bottom line, I, I can't take credit for this because it wasn't me, but I can, I can't remember who to give credit to. But they said it really well. Um, you're not finding a game better than this. No. Now it's possible we could, you know, and, and I don't want we don't want yeah, to spend I'm much time. One of the greatest. Yeah, yeah. We don't want to spend much time hashing hashing out. You know. You you may find some equals, especially mm-hmm. when you think Super Bowls, because technically in the Super Bowl the stakes are higher. That's all well and good. You're not finding a better game. You might find some equals. There's no game better than this one, and it, it was. Um, I just all I kept thinking three things. I kept thinking one was I can't believe that game just happened. I can't believe that game just happened. <laughs> Two, it took twenty four months. For a, a, the twenty four zero game to to um, to be topped, yeah. it took two <laughs> years. We thought that game would leave mm-hmm. live live on in in Chiefs memory forever, and it took two years for that game to get topped. And then the other one, and a, a, a phrase that's going to come up a lot uh, now and, and throughout the years. Come anybody discussing the only thing I the other thing I kept thinking was thirteen seconds. 13 seconds, Adam. 13 damn seconds. That's all it took to score. Um, and really, it took 10 because they needed yeah. a field goal. Think about this. The Cowboys had 14 seconds when they decided to run a QB draw with Dak Prescott. They never ran another play. Yeah. The Chiefs had 13 seconds, and they tied the damn game and won it in overtime. Yep. And I want to have you go your emotions yeah. of the game. We're uh-huh. going to see if you can get all your emotions in the game. Okay. See if you can get them all in 30 seconds. Ready? Or 13, 13 seconds. 13 seconds. You ready? From from the drive itself? Yeah, or? just start okay. at the drive because that's how the, – the, yeah, start yeah. from the, – the, the Bills have just scored. Okay. 13 seconds Let me know left. when you're ready. All right, ready? Go. Okay, so I'm thinking that, you know, the Chiefs just need to get into a spot where maybe they can hit like a 15-yard pass and then maybe another 20 yards and then Butker can kick like a 60-yard field goal. And all of that is just a prayer. If you have an incomplete pass, it's basically over. Okay. If you have an incomplete pass, it's basically over. You'd have to hail Mary. I mean, they had to have flawless execution there, and they did. They had 13 (laughs) seconds. Yeah. That was – I just – I really didn't think – I don't know. I I thought – I felt really good – after the first, not the first touchdown, but the first touchdown in that crazy final two minutes, Chiefs had like a minute 40-something, or was it a minute 50-something? I think it was a minute 50. It was like the first play after the two-minute warning. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they had they had a minute 50-something, three timeouts, and and they all at that point, they, they only needed a field goal. So I, I felt pretty good in my mind. I'm like, you're just settling for a field goal. You have a chance to drive for a touchdown here and really put this thing away. And then obviously, you know, the Tyreek Hill touchdown, and then it's like, oh God. And and you we felt differently. 
I my first thought was, oh no, they gave the Bills the minute with three set three timeouts. You actually felt comfortable after that Tyreek touchdown, and and I'm not saying that I, I thought did, because I, they I'm were not, up four. Yeah, I was like just hold him out of the end zone, and and yeah, and they couldn't do that. And I'll say this: I didn't like think it was a guaranteed thing. Like, oh gosh, the Bills are definitely going to score here. But I did think, man, a minute as gassed as the Chiefs' defense is, that's tough. Yeah, it is, and. You know, there are like like the state of the quarterback position in the NFL is maybe as good as it's ever been. Like I'm I'm gonna run through a list real quick. Um, because I think sometimes it's easy to be like, yeah, he's pretty good. He, yeah, I don't know, I mean might be a top ten quarterback. Mahomes, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Matt Stafford, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, who knows what's gonna happen there, but you know what I mean. Russell Wilson. Um, I just named 10 quarterbacks who, and, and I might be forgetting someone. That's not like my order of the best quarterbacks or anything. I yeah. was just writing this down. Those are 10, like, legitimately, if if the right thing lines up that season, could win MVP-level quarterbacks. They've all been at one time or another, except, um, uh, uh, Her- I don't, well, Herbert and uh, Burrow have not yet been in the MVP but discussion, there. but there's reason right? to think there will be sometime. I mean, that is such a good list of quarterback, and yet, if we needed any reminder of who, who the, the best quarterback who in the, the league king was, is, your top two MVP candidates and Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady lost. Josh Allen was phenomenal, but Patrick Mahomes was better. Patrick Mahomes was just as good. Patrick Mahomes got the win. He had 177 yards in from the two minute warning on. It's it's crazy to think like every you know we we've talked a lot like man. You know, what would it be like to get Hakeem instead of Michael Jordan? Yeah. I think the Bills know. Yeah. And the, a, yeah and the Bills exactly, gave up exactly. that pick for the record. Patrick Mahomes is Michael Jordan. The, the Chiefs yeah. the Chiefs the Chiefs pick for Mahomes was the Bills pick. That's who they traded with. That has to make it feel worse, right? <laughs> and I don't remember if the Bills were I mean, they would have had to be in a spot where they could have taken if, a quarterback because they it, took it, Josh Allen the next year. And if you're picking tenth, you need a quarterback. Oh, man. And, and see, that's what sucks. Because it's like Josh Allen is so good. Josh Allen's probably going to win an MVP someday. Like, Josh Allen, I yeah, I, I I got, know, he might lead them to a Super Bowl. I, I think I, he will. I think he will. I think, but, I think there's a Super Bowl in his future. But Patrick Mahomes could have led them to five. I don't, I don't know. You know? Like, they have the number one defense in the NFL. Like, imagine and, if you gave the Chiefs the number one defense in the NFL. And, look, I, the, the, the Bengals... The Bengals I have to be confident. They should be confident. They, they just beat the one seed... They're they're flying high. The, they beat the Chiefs early, you know, just a few. Not just it wasn't like the game was the first week of the season. They beat them in December. The Bengals should be feeling very confident, but that has to do something. Even if they are confident, which they should be, that has to do something to the psyche of the rest of the NFL. Going, what the hell do you yep. got to do to kill this guy? Yes, it was the number one defense in the NFL. Some of the throws he made. The sidearm throw was ridiculous that he yeah. worked it around that guy. The the one on their very first drive of the game, Bills go down, score a touchdown. You basically need to go out there and answer. You can't get in a hole here. Um, you have a third and six on your first set of plays, your yep. third play of the game. And Mahomes is under all this pressure, darts across. I mean, he was so good just scrambling in general and, and maneuvering the pocket and everything. Like, that was a huge part of the game. But it, it happened right away on that first drive, and, and he kind of rotates around, and then he sh- uh, shoots the little, like, shovel pass to Jet McKinnon, uh-huh. makes the catch, and just gets enough for the first down. Like, just the small things from there all the way to the big stuff of – you know, some of the amazing plays we saw. The Tyree Kill long touchdown. Travis Kelsey was fantastic. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire looked really good. And, and I want to break some of this stuff down more individually. But just in terms of 
those final two minutes, absolutely bonkers in that game. And, you know, I, I do feel like it was hard for me not to think after that game, you know, maybe the Chiefs are a little fortunate here to come out on top because of the fact that if the Bills score one play later, then they would have. Then you don't have enough time mm-hmm. to get two plays. Or if, you know, maybe, um, let's say, I don't know, something happens with um, overtime where they win the toss. Like yeah. maybe you don't win that game. But also it's very easy to to sit here and say, well, what happened happened. You won the game. And I can also point back to things that you would have even had to stress at the end of that game. If you tackle Josh Allen a multitude of times when you could have. If Harrison Bucker miss, uh, makes the field goal at the end of the first half, makes the PAT um, in the second half, I don't I don't know what the PAT would have specifically done to change the game, but the field goal would have certainly basically won you the game at that point. Like There's so many things. Josh Allen fumbled, but he recovered it. There are a lot of things you can point to and, and say, even though maybe the Chiefs are a little fortunate in certain areas, they were unfortunate in other areas, luck, so I think it's just a wash at that point. Yeah, luck balances out, I yeah, think. Yeah, exactly. And... Um, Except, like yeah, I, I, I know just, there's a lot of talk today about the overtime rule, and we'll talk more about this later in the show. I, I, I don't want to go as far to say like I've seen some people be like, listen, the Chiefs got screwed over by this three years ago, and now they they won off of it. So I don't feel bad for Bills fans because come on, be em- like be empathetic here, right? I, I don't like, feel bad for Bills. Fans. I, I don't. I don't know. I feel happy. I feel happy for me. I feel happy for me. I I feel bad for Bills fans. I will say that. I I, I don't. Well, I feel bad. Okay. I guess I'll say this. I feel bad for Bills fans, but not because of the. I don't think the overtime rules have anything to do with it. That's what I'm saying. I feel bad because they lost a game in which their their team played about perfect. Well, that's what I'm saying. This this didn't happen against the Patriots. Yeah. yeah, The Bills had nothing to do with you not getting the coin toss against the Patriots, you know? So, anyway, but that's neither here nor there. Now, if we're looking at this game as a whole and, and takeaways and reactions, all that stuff and analysis, um, a little concerning about the defense as we move forward here. Now you know that you're going to play the Bengals who just torched you last time you played them. And, and we'll talk more about that game specifically. But just in terms of the defense, uh, Tyron Matthew gets hurt, which clearly affected the back end. Some of those breakdowns back there were it seemed like they were going to be lethal. Um, Josh Allen is amazing, mm-hmm. and he played a nearly perfect game, so that does factor into the conversation here. Uh, you had an aggressive, explosive offense that you were going up against. Again, that all matters. And and I will say this. At the end of the day, even though they had that, that explosion at the end of the game, you did force the Bills into a lot of situations where you would say, I'll take this situation. I'll take them being on fourth and four and going for it. I'll take them being the on fourth, fourth and, and 13, 13 yeah. and going for it. They just made plays and you didn't. So on one hand, that is a little concerning that you just didn't make plays because I do think there was a part of me that was that was frustrated that similar to the Bengals game, Steve Spagnolo didn't really adjust to somebody going off. Like Gabriel Davis or Gabriel Davis was going off all game yeah. and you didn't really seem to adjust. And that was a little bit frustrating. But at the end of the day, like what is Spag supposed to do? He can't coach three guys missing a sack on, on uh, yeah. Josh Allen. He can't Frank coach Clark jogging. Yes, he can't coach that. He can't coach uh, Mike Hughes just falling down yeah. in coverage. Right. So, and, um, and I do wonder how many. I mean, there there are questions of how many adjustments could he have made without yes Tyron Matthew. But I will say this because I mean the defensive line didn't get a ton of pass rush. They did get a couple two big sacks. Like Melvin Ingram again continues to be a great addition you made. Um, if the Chiefs lose that game. We're talking about, you know, a couple things, the the Andy Reid decision and, and the missed kicks by Bucker. We're also talking about the defense a lot. In a oh, very yeah, yeah, right yeah. Now. 
that's yeah, and, and and the defense will come up further this week as as we break down the game against the Bengals. Right now, we're still in uh, you know celebration slash sleep deprivation mode because um, we were up late, just so excited from last night. Um, yeah, but you, yeah, the the defense. My biggest takeaway if the Chiefs lose is um, the the choice to not not to bring in Blake Bell for that third and short, but to not just sneak it forward. Yeah, and and the ridiculous uh, little ta- you know option play. I thought that was a terrible decision, and and I I thought moreover it wasted a great return punt return by uh, Tyreek Hill and forced you to just you have three and out after an amazing punt return and you wind up kicking a field goal. Um, and yeah, and I think the defense comes up a lot. I think we're talking about man, does this mean you have to sign Tyron Matthew? Yeah. No matter what. Yeah. You know, in the offseason because we saw what happened right? with, with him out. That's a good point. Um, um, and and you just you saw, man. We're feeling very different now. We're going, you know, I mean, we we all thought we had the guy. Do we have the second guy now? Is Josh Allen the guy? Do we have the second guy? I mean, yeah. that's the discussion right now, and I think it's fair. And, and again, as, as the week goes on, we'll talk more about this defense and um, maybe some of the, the, the anxieties we would have with this rematch against the Bengals, which are legitimate, although my in- instinct with this line is it feels like a Vegas know-something line because it's a freaking touchdown. But again, yeah, the defense was, um, you know, they, they they didn't perform well, and and you could say, okay, well, the the Bills' defense was also number one in the NFL, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. they gave up more points. Yeah. And and I think it's a combination of things: defense not playing well, and uh, a, a a a quarterback in Josh Allen who's trending toward a Hall of Fame career. Yeah, and that's good to bring up. But at the end of the day, all those qualms. They didn't matter because you have one one five on your team, and 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 you you had one three left on the clock. Yes, you did, and that's that's all that you needed. And and maybe you could say, you know, this isn't just a Mahomes thing. You had Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes, and and that's good enough for a lot. But you know what else was cool? I I just want to bring this up. Uh, There there wasn't like it wasn't one of those games where there's this big controversial call or an officiating issue or a mess up that we have to talk about today too. The only controversy being talked about today is the NFL overtime rule, but. You know, again, the Chiefs proposed to change that three years ago, and no one listened. Um, just an awesome game, phenomenal. Yeah, John Hussey and his crew. We talked about this. We were rewatching the the little enhanced seventeen minute condensed mm-hmm. version ahead of the game, um, and and we were talking about you know there were four total penalty, penalties and zero turnovers. Now each team did the Chiefs have a fumble? Yeah, Jet McKinnon. It was the play before That's right. the Blake Bell play. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. So but you they had got it back. And, and yeah, yeah, was it Rimmers that dove on that one? It was an offensive lineman. Yeah. I can't remember who. Anyway, yeah. regardless, so yes, each team had a fumble that they recovered themselves, and then there were four total penalties. Four, I mean, and no, no, like crazy pass no, like interference penalty, right? and, and, and yeah, and no pass interference call that went like. Um, you know, they gave you sixty extra yards. It was four penalties for I think a total of like twenty five yards. I just mean, it, awesome was, it was just a great, a great game, phenomenal game. Well, the KUK the State best game, game of an amazing weekend. Yeah, the KUK State game was pretty good as well. Quite the comeback for KU. We're going to talk that next. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. We'll be back. The break will be longer than thirteen seconds. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? 
You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Well, quite the comeback for KU. I know the quote that was uh, circulating around the weekend from Bill Self and his dad, don't worry about the mules, just load the wagon. I said it after the OU game, and I'll say it again. You you can't take any win in this league easily, um, especially on the road when it comes on the road, right? I mean, everybody in this conference, we, we just saw Kansas State, you know, beat good teams before they played KU. And on top of that, this isn't this wasn't a situation of like the OU game, you could say, okay, KU was was sluggish. You know, they had an eight minute stretch where they scored two points. This game wasn't that. This game wasn't you didn't play your A game, although I don't think it was KU's A game, especially on the defensive side of the court. But a lot of this game was also Kansas State played their A plus 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 game, right? Like, I mean, yeah. they, were, they were they were almost at they were fifty points at halftime. They averaged like six high sixties points per game in conference play coming into it. It was it was. Remarkable what they did and some of the shots they were making. Nigel Pack was, was outstanding. And you were able to weather that on the road, come from behind sixteen, come from behind seventeen in the second half. In the game that, that game. in the in the game that it is and maybe this helped, maybe maybe they fed off the environment, but in the game that let's be honest, in, in this year at least, in years where K State's a little better, their fans show up for other games, but this is the game that they show up for. And so you had a super hostile environment. Um a gay a player having the game of his life, uh, and and just all in all, just an outstanding. I you know I I, I don't think I, you can be upset with that win. Could you imagine how we'd be talking about this game if KU came all the way back just to lose by like a point after that blown call at the end? Oh, after the the three, yeah, yeah, yeah. they after they fouled um, Ochai on the three and they said it was two. Mm-hmm. Did you see? So it's kind of funny. A, a lot of people reference in. Uh, 2013, KU needed a crazy comeback to beat Iowa State in Ames, and they wound up winning in overtime. Elijah Johnson went off. Um, that was the game where Melvin Weatherwax wanted mm-hmm. to fight Bill Self on the court afterwards. Uh, and so the I don't know if it was overtime or regulation, but at some point there was a foul, and it was on. It was clearly on Jeff Withy and Kevin Young. As soon as the whistle blew, Kevin Young held up his hand. And I don't know if that distracted the ref, but they gave the foul to Kevin Young because that would have been Jeff Withy's fifth. Anyway, what I immediately thought about with that K State game, I don't know if it, I don't know who it was, but one of the K State players uh, was in the lane between Ochai. It was Ochai, this K State player, and the ref. So he was in between the two of them, holding up the number two. So part of me wonders if the ref got distracted by that and thought, okay, so, yeah, it's two yeah, shots yeah. here. Yeah, he knows what he's talking about. He <laughs> plays basketball. Unbelievable, dude. That that yeah, that would have been all I immediately thought back to that Kevin Young moment. That would have been such a funny moment. And and like it would have been the talk uh well, it wouldn't have been the talk of anything because of the crazy yeah. Chiefs game, but it would have been one of the biggest stories on Sports Center last night. Cause or on Saturday, on Saturday night. Yeah. Because one, it would have been a top ten team going down, and two, um, it would have been that. But again, it, it didn't happen. And look, the toughness that it takes, I mean, you, you want to talk about toughness. The toughness that it takes to just deal with, okay, you know, crummy call, it's you know, but it's, it's done. There's nothing we can do about it. 
And that is amazing to me. Like, you know, how, how easy it is to get caught up in that or easy it would be to get caught up in that. And, and instead, no, they just go out and execute. They force um, Nigel Pack, who was having an amazing game, but they force a long, long three. That that um, And then Ochai makes his amazing... Um, uh, maybe I'm getting the possessions wrong, but w- whatever. They didn't allow K-State to score on the next possession. Ochai gets his little running you know, floater. I don't know. That was big to me. That was a terrible missed call, but the, the it just takes a lot. Mm-hmm. of mental fortitude to just say, whatever, it's over. The KU defense dropped pretty big in Ken Palm. We were talking about this before the show. Um, I, I honestly, I, I'm not overly concerned about it because K-State was just hitting all these shots, and when it mattered at the end of the game, you made stops. They they were held without points in the final 302 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, as amazing as, as K-State was, you know, you talk about 50, and their, their season average is 65, and they had 50 at half. They only scored 25 in the second half. Yeah. Ochai Baji though, did exactly what he did on on Tuesday. Not in terms of, like, the overall game was a lot better. Um, and it was funny because Ochai did all that. He had 29 points without really getting his jump shot going in that game, which I think shows how much he has expanded his game. But that's back-to-back games now that you're talking about a National Player of the Year candidate basically stepping up in the big moments and saying, I'm not going to let us lose, right? And... It was funny because on, on what, Thursday, Friday shows, we were, we were kind of talking about, like, it's just kind of interesting how this team wasn't like a takeaway. It was just kind of an interesting note that this team had all these different guys take last-second shots for them. It was Remy Martin against Tarleton State in the big moment. It was David McCormick, although it didn't work, in the play against Dayton. It, it was, was Dwan Harris against yeah, Dwan Iowa Harris State. Against Iowa State. It was uh, Christian Brown against Oklahoma on a yep. play that was drawn up for Jalen Wilson. And at some point, it was like, okay, at some point, like, Ochai is going to get in the mix here. He's your best player. He's an efficient scorer. Like, he's going to get – he did against Kansas State. And, and, yeah, and it wasn't just that shot. Didn't he score the last six points? Well, two, he had the free throws. Two free throws, the the, the floater, and two more free throws, right? Wasn't he, didn't he hit the last mm. two free throws to make it 78? I don't remember who took those, honestly. Um, it might have been him. I'll, I'll say this, though. Ochai Baji is having the greatest individual wing season that a KU wing has had in, in the Bill Self era. I know we we talked about the like wing duo thing with with Brian Haney, and he said, you know, it just depends how you look at it. Like if you look at it from the standpoint of, well, who is the best wing? Like if you're drafting them, you know, it's it's easy to be like, well, if Andrew Wiggins would have stayed till his senior year, like who knows? He could yeah, have been, yeah. you know, un- unbelievable. But just in terms of an individual season, what they produced, what they did on the floor. It, it's hard not to say Ochai is, is not having the greatest wing season in KU history. I, I don't know who else would be in discussion there. Obviously, Brandon Rush would be the one that comes to mind. Yep. And it's it's different and with Brandon Rush. Because, because there were the so many other options right? on that. On that. He, he, I think he could have, if he was asked to, I think he could have played at this level. Yeah. But he just, and, and every other KU player that has been in national player of the year conversations was, was uh, a different, you know, was either a point guard or a big. Even the ones that didn't win it, Thomas Robinson didn't win it, but I think he finished second. He was a big. Frank Mason was was a guard. Devontae Graham was a guard. So it is very unique. Um, and but I think because of all that, yes, absolutely, it is the best season a wing has had in KU history. He's just so efficient. I mean, he is taking he's taking almost seven threes per game, shooting just under forty six percent on three point shots. He's averaging over twenty points per game. Um, like I said, with Brandon Rush, I mean, the efficiency from three was ridiculous, but 
even then, like Brandon Rush wasn't taking this many threes and he wasn't this efficient from the three point line. And that was having to take less shots than Ocha has. Like that's the flip side to the coin. Brandon Rush could have done more if he needed him to. But he didn't have to, so he could have taken more efficient shots. Paul Pierce, if we want to go back to even like that far before Bill Self, like best wings of the KU era period or best individual seasons, like you look at Paul Pierce's junior season, remarkable year, over 20 points per game. He was at 20.4, um, which is exactly what Ochai is averaging right now. Paul Pierce wasn't as efficient of a scorer as Ochai was. Like, this was just a, a different era of basketball. So you weren't yeah, taking I mean, as many threes. You, you had a wing going 20, and, and again, to define the era, you had a wing going 20 points a game, and the Big 12 player of the year was Rayful Friends. Yeah. And, and I'll say that, like, you know, Paul Pierce was a better rebounder, passer. Like, he got more numbers on the defensive end. So I'm, I'm not saying that he's, that Ochai's better than, than Paul Pierce, clearly not going there. I think at the very least, though, if you wanted to say, like, if we expanded this conversation past the Bill Self era and just said KU basketball all time, I don't know that I'm willing to go there and say he's the greatest wing of all time at KU, but I, I might be willing to go as far to say Ochai is the best and most efficient scoring wing in KU history. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I, it's it's hard to hard to argue that, especially... In Paul Pierce's junior season, he shot 33% from three on three attempts per game. And, and you Ochai, know? you could argue, I mean... It, you know, in Ochai, you know they've needed all of it from Ochai. I mean, mm -hmm. KU is sixteen and two right now with a five and four and one or five and one in conference play, five and mm -hmm. one I think. Um, and they've needed it all from Ochai to get to where they are because they've played so many close games. They're not, you know, they haven't really. They've got the West Virginia game, and that's it in terms of beating teams by a thousand. Yeah, he's he's been so good, and and it's it's weird when we do the National Player of the Year conversation that KU, like. It doesn't happen as much as you think. I know you can have candidates every year. Like, Devontae Graham was a first-team All-American, so theoretically, that make him, like, a top-five candidate. But I don't really ever remember that being a discussion. Um, like, it was just Jalen Brunson's going to win the award. You know, Thomas Robinson. It was, like, this unbelievable season. And was maybe there was Davis. a moment in time where, where some people were on that bandwagon. But again, you know, like, the majority consensus, maybe outside of here locally, was, like, it's Anthony Davis, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, it's hard. Frank Mason was, what, the the first um, consensus national player of the year, I believe, for Kansas. Is that right? Did Danny Manning? I thought Manning got, got it, regardless. But, but the fact that we're going back to the Danny Manning era to even see about it um, tells you what a, what a crazy, difficult thing it is to pull off. This is an unbelievable season, man. He, he has been so good. And, the go back and and we've said this about Mahomes a million times and I, and and we go back to uh the the Rock Chalk Sports Talk uh, fan um what do we call him a res New Year's resolution yeah enjoy it like have fun watching this because it really is pretty remarkable to watch like what we're seeing and I don't think it's getting as much t attention locally as it would have in other years because the Chiefs are still in the playoffs. Like, but imagine if the Chiefs weren't in the playoffs right now, the talk in Lawrence and all throughout Kansas City would be KU and Ochai Baji season. Yeah, and it really is. I mean, Ochai is one of the nicest kids that you'll get to talk to and just the evolution of his game from year to year. And now you're seeing, you know, on the court, he's starting to, what really endears you with fans is when you, you'll make a big play and you'll you'll give a big fist bump or you'll yell out to yeah, the Yeah, he's intense. We haven't always seen that with Ochai, but this year we have. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? He's, he's getting more vocal. He's getting more excited. It very is. I mean, 
Like, if we're talking about the biggest jumps of a player from one year to the next. He's up right I mean, he's, he's it, right up there up with there, Thomas right? Robinson. Frank Mason. See, the thing about Frank Mason is, conference I don't know, before, but. exactly, I don't know how big of a jump he made because he was already so amazing the year before. And like, Thomas Robinson came off the bench to do what he did. Now, he came off the bench because he was in front, he was behind the Morris Twins, who were lottery picks, and, and there's a chance Thomas Robinson would have still been a first-round pick if he'd left after his sophomore year because he was so athletic. But in terms of just jumps in production, yeah, Ochai is right up there with, with Thomas Robinson between the 10, 11, and 11, and 12 seasons. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, KLWN.com. We're going to talk some more KU hoops, KU women's team. Got another big win over the weekend, and uh, KU football officially announced the addition of all those transfers. We'll talk that with David Lawrence of the Jayhawk Radio Network. He joins us next. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson on KLWN. And one man who has been around all sorts of the KU program recently, David Lawrence of the Jayhawk Radio Network with all this stuff going on. So let's start with the the men's team. KU takes down Kansas State in Manhattan on Saturday. Um, Is there anything extra that, that a win like that can do for a locker room or a team where you know, you have not just the emotional driving force behind that game with, with Bill Self's father passing away, but also when you have a comeback like that in a hostile environment to come away with a win late in the game, does that lead typically to a boost in momentum and togetherness and, and some of these other sports terms that you can't always define on paper? Well, sure. I mean, there, there was a big question there, but Derek, great to be on with you and Adam. Uh, you, you know, I, I think on paper, I mean, what we're seeing is uh, Jalen and David, you know, turning into uh, big guy bullies on the boards. You know, Jayhawks were, what, plus 22? Um, you know, and it's interesting, and what makes sets it up perfect for tonight, it was getting big boyed in Lubbock, Texas, that started this whole thing, and Bill Self you know, really calling his team out. He, he does not mince words. Uh, he's never done that. And, and he called out our toughness, called out our ability to rebound, and look what's occurred in the past four games. I mean, you just look at what we're doing in the Big 12 Conference defensively in the conference for defense. I mean, literally uh, eight of the top ten defenses are in the Big 12 right now. I mean, it's, I've never seen it like that. Uh, but but Kansas is among those, and, and I think that's what's happened. It just really gave Coach Self leverage to be the Hall of Fame coach that he is. Um, we, we've had three uh, kind of last-shot winning games uh, basketball. Um, I think Oklahoma, uh, the one with Juan a little bit earlier, that was Iowa State, and, of course, uh, what Ochai is doing. Uh, but, but, yeah, the, to the – emotional degree of coach self's dad i mean i don't know how that guy holds it together i mean everybody else was crying um you know the fact that the way we won uh was just kind of um win that his dad really uh prided himself in and his son when he coaches that way and uh, to do it in that fashion coming back from being down 17 in the second half uh clearly you know, we have a top five player in the country, and uh, I believe Remy Martin will come through and, and be 
um, a big contributor on this team, and that's going to give us a, a big shot in the arm. But right now, getting uh, Jalen and David to uh, be dominating inside. Now, granted, you know Texas Tech is built way different than Kansas State, so we'll see tonight. It'll be a great test. But those two combined for six rebounds in Lubbock, you know, and they had 25 rebounds in Manhattan. Uh, it's probably going to be somewhere in between that tonight, but hopefully, it's more towards the 25. You mentioned the the toughness and the, and the change of, of what's happened since getting out rebounded and, and beat so poorly or so badly in the paint in Lubbock. You know, self said it, a quote that I always remember was after the Jayhawks won the national championship. He said, "Even bigger than winning, it was showing how tough you had to be to get there." And then he said after the game Saturday, there was no question who the tougher team was or who the team was that played harder in the second half. And in I guess. How does self keep from, because he always preaches toughness, and yet that never seems to um, like just fall out of his players' ears. They always take that challenge to be tough, and none of them, it seems, just roll their eyes and say, oh, here he goes again talking about toughness. They still, after all this time, he still makes sure they care what he thinks, and, and that's, I don't know, how does he continue that level of motivation? Well, that's a great question, Adam. I think for, for one, I think he, he has found a way uh, to continue to be tough and coach tough in 2022, which a lot of coaches can't get away with now. I think Bill does it because he's he's honest. He certainly rewards great effort. Um, so he's not always on them, but he is going to be very honest if he expect you know thinks that they can do better. And he's not going to give them that. He doesn't care how many stars you have. Most of ours are four or five stars. And if he doesn't like what you're doing, if he, he thinks you have more, then instead of uh, applauding you for doing some good things, he's going to be in your ear that you can be better than that. And, uh, you know, I mean, Coach Self's legacy speaks for itself. These guys respect his opinion greatly. And uh, they know that when he does you know, give them compliments and praise that it's, it's, it's very much deserved. And so he's just, he's just a great, great coach. Um, you know, what, what can you say more about the guy than being under that kind of stress and uh, making the adjustments that he did and having Juan go on pack and, and uh, going to the uh, triangle and to the last five minutes of the game K-State going from 59% to 29% from the field. So, um, you, you know, he's the best, and uh, we're so proud that he's he's ours. So KU takes on Texas Tech tonight, as you were mentioning. You'll be able to hear David along with Sean Kellerman here on KLWN starting at 6.30 here tonight. Um, and they just lost to Tech a few weeks ago. I was kind of wondering this earlier, the idea that a lot of times when you lose to a team and then you play them back, it might be a month or two later and you know the two teams are different or there's a player who's injured or was is playing now in a bigger role that wasn't before. There, there's just things that aren't the same the first go-around or you've learned your lesson. This game's only 16 days apart from that game in Lubbock when they did kind of punk KU inside. So um, how different do you think this one will go tonight, and what do you think is the biggest thing that has to change this go-around against the Red Raiders? Well, first of all, I'm sure you guys remember that going into this season, their two biggest players were Terrence Shannon and Kevin McCuller, 
both were not in the game in Lubbock. And, and, and I made a, a, a point in the post game that I, I think sometimes that favors the team that is missing players because they, they get motivated, uh, gives people opportunity to step up. And, you know, maybe gives the other team a little false sense of you're going to have it easier than once you once thought. Uh, and I said, you know, when the rematch is, I, I think it's going to be a whole different game, even though they will have Terrence Shannon and Kevin McCuller. I, I think Bryson Williams is probably their second best player, at least, um, you know, the transfer from UTEP. But, um, yeah, it's it's going to be a great challenge because they are tremendous inside. They're, I think Ken Palm has them number three defensively in the country and uh, just a defensive efficiency. Uh, but Piano Kansas isn't that far off now defensively, and the Jayhawks are a much better offensive team than Texas Tech. So, But they'll have their work cut out for them. Uh, it, it's going to be a tremendous challenge because Shannon is – you know, he, he's been great since he's returned. McCuller's been good. Williams is good. And uh, uh, Nadolny really had his best game getting the start at the absence of the other two against us uh, in our first meeting. So that that's just the thing, you know, does does McCuller play better than Nadolny did, you know, in his absence back uh, three weeks ago? So, um you know, I mean, Tech is it's a cool story under Mark Adams. You know, the coach leaving for Texas, and now Texas Tech, I think, clearly a little better team. But uh, it's going to be a great challenge. I think the field house is going to be probably the loudest massed crowd in college basketball this season up to this point. I mean, how could it not be students back and coming off uh, just an epic win in Manhattan? And, you know, Coach and all he's been through, I think they'll really show up. And, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're talking with David Lawrence of the Jayhawk Radio Network here on RCST. I, I did want to ask you one question each about KU women's team and, and KU football here. Uh, over the weekend, KU women's team beat Texas Tech. And I, I just keep waiting to see, like, I don't mean this from a negative perspective, but just to see if, if, like, the other shoe will drop because we've seen this before where they started well and then it fell apart. But every game they, they keep winning or competing in, I think, is more evidence that's not going to happen, which is obviously a great thing. Um, what about this team makes what they're doing and, and having one of their best seasons in recent memory feel so sustainable? Well, they played everybody at the top of the Big 12, except for Iowa State. Now, that happens Wednesday. If we can compete in Ames, Iowa on Wednesday, there would be absolutely no doubt out there. But beating Texas should have beat Baylor. It didn't happen. And uh, competed at K-State. We were down at the beginning of the fourth quarter by 16. Tied it. Just didn't have the um, energy left or whatever to finish it off. Uh, we've got the athletic big in Tiana Jackson. She actually had eight blocks in Manhattan, almost uh, an all-time high for Kansas. Uh, but we just got a lot of players. We got uh, two floor leaders in Zakiah Franklin, Anaya Thomas, and then uh, a wing in Holly Kurskeeter that's a do-all. She's a, probably a top-seven player in the conference, uh, an athletic six-foot, six-big that I mentioned. And then Chandler Prater came off the bench to score 18 in the win on Saturday over Tech. So they've got a, a lot of guys coming off the bench. Um, 
Iwana Hatsuleonti, the one I talked about last time, I, I think she's uh, a tremendous talent, a six foot sophomore. So he's got he's got quality and he's got quality depth, and that's that's a good combination. But you know, still hasn't gotten over the hump as far as you know. Uh, he certainly moved up a notch. They're three and three in the conference and had two that they could have easily won. But um, he's just going to have to continue to do that. But I think he's going to have an opportunity to get in the dance, which would be, you know, two steps up for Kansas basketball. So um, I think he'll continue to draw more attention. You know, I'm hoping the uh, student section and, and students will gravitate towards women's basketball and know that they can cheer for both and uh, they can have entertaining basketball at the women's game as well. And then with KU football announcing today all the different transfers that we've kind of heard along the way, making it official that they're coming in, we're going to try to get you on down the road that we can kind of maybe talk more talk about this in depth and, and go through these guys. But just in terms of a, more of a macro approach to this, how exciting is this for KU with what they're doing in the portal right now and, and bringing on a big haul of quality players that can impact the team right away? Yeah, I think uh... – a, it is exciting. It's, when you called me, I was actually uh, starting to break down tape of these eight guys because I I tend to wait until you know they're on campus before I spend my my time and you know on a guy that might change his mind. So uh, it's official, and uh, they, I think it's a great class. I, I think really, you know, where Kansas turned the corner certainly was uh, not just the. Went over Texas, but it's what they did with PCU and West Virginia competing in the other two of the last games. And um, I, I think, you know, it, it's just more than, than talk out there that, you know, that Lance Lightbolt's going to turn around football because he's done this at uh, Buffalo and people are saying great things about him. You know, he showed that in the very first year, you know, he can take a major step up with the Big 12 Conference and compete, nearly win against Oklahoma, get a win against Texas, having a shot in two other games. And, um, you know, has a quarterback that's coming back to prove that he can be upper echelon in the Big 12 Conference. And it's just a culture at what he presents out there. He's a matter-of-fact type guy. Uh, they work really, really hard. And football's got a bright future. But but I think it was a statement, not only wins, but competing um, with the Big 12 Conference teams that has shown that it will definitely, Kansas will definitely be a factor. And these kids will have an opportunity to, to be a part of a program that's going to rise up. And, you know, that's what coaches, four previous coaches were trying to do as well, but they never really could prove it like Leipold did in year one so it's it's exciting and uh, I look forward to breaking down some of this with you at a later time when we can talk some uh, Kansas Jayhawk football looking forward to it he is David Lawrence you can hear him tonight on the Jayhawk radio network 6 30 pregame tip off eight o'clock and then you can hear him on the post game as well after KU Tech David thank you so much for the time as always man yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, ESPN analyst Fran Fraschilla will be my guest, as well as Jeremy Case and Greg Gurley. So I hope people tune in beginning at 6.30 on this station. Perfect. There we go. That's a nice little teaser from David Lawrence. That is David Lawrence. You can hear him on the Jayhawk Radio Network. With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk, one hour down.
Two to go. More Chiefs and NFL playoff talk next. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. About half past four, this is RCST on KLWN. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Derek Johnson with Adam Dravetta. We mentioned how great not just last night was, but the entire weekend. The division round was phenomenal last night. I mean, they were um, all games that went down to the final play. They they mentioned this a couple times, and it had it was it was nerve wracking to think about as a Chiefs fan because it was going into the game. All three road teams had won, and all three road teams had won on a game-winning field goal yeah. at the end. And, and there was a moment in time when the Chiefs got the ball first in overtime, and I was like, oh, no, if the Chiefs don't score in overtime, all the Bills need to win is a field goal, and that trend would continue, but they ended up getting going down to score. But nonetheless— that Yeah, that same thing crossed yeah, the line. By the Chiefs getting the touchdown in overtime, all four games ended on the final play, three field goals in the touchdown there. Just an unbelievable weekend of sports that was capped off by the Chiefs game which was the best of we the are, yeah they talked about it going into the game that it, it was already three games it was already already the uh, closest margin of victory through three games of, di- of divisional play ever and at that point it was nine each game was decided by three points I don't know if if 15 is now the record because the Chiefs game was decided by six um but you know, three games or four games decided by fifteen total points is incredible. All of them on the last play. One of them in overtime. One of them in overtime in which it was how many? How many points? It went touchdown. Extra it went eight points. Then the Chiefs scored seven. That's fifteen. Then seven more. That's twenty-two. Twenty-five points in the last. Um. 25 points in the last two minutes of that game last night. <laughs> that was more points than scored in the San Francisco Green Bay. <laughs> That's game. right. Yeah. The whole game. Yeah, the, the San Francisco Green Bay game wasn't like a great game. It was a competitive game, right? Yeah, we were watching that game on the mm-hmm. on the other TV. We, we, I was at Derek's house watching that, and Derek called Baker game, so he was actually rewatching um, the second half of of Kansas, K State and KU. Uh, and it was kind of fun because his, his wife and I knew that his wife answered the door when I arrived and she said okay Derek doesn't know about the call <laughs> about the 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 three-point call and I said okay so Derek had no idea all he knew was there's going to be a call that he would have thrown a shoe through the tv had he been watching live <laughs> but he was a little calmer because he knew what the result was um and it, of course it was the the three-point mm-hmm. foul that they they gave Ochai the but anyway so we're watching that and then on the other tv they've uh we've got that and then we popped that one on the big tv after the the rewatch of the KUK State game ended, um, and it was—I don't know—it was—it was so weird. It was just like you—you you could just tell how much better the Packers were, and, but it was just like they're going to let them hang around and hang around and hang around. It just felt kind of nonchalant, and and it was a bad game for Aaron Rod. I mean, it wasn't like horrible. He didn't have like four interceptions. He still had two hundred something yards. Yeah, it just—it just wasn't crisp there's the one play where he threw it into like double coverage or whatever to Devonte Adams yeah and Alan Lazard was open like yeah. 20 yards down the field it was just kind of a, a weird game from him I don't know what it is with the 49ers they're 4-0 against Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs now and those are like over different coaches over different schemes different quarterbacks like it's not like it's just that 
this guy owns him. Wait, just Aaron right? Rodgers or the Packers in general? No, Aaron Rodgers owns Because four. they also have that, that big comeback against the Packers in the late 90s when Terrell Owens caught the pass from Jeff Garcia to win it in, yeah. in San Francisco on the no, wild card. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just Aaron Rodgers is 0-4. And, and I, I don't know if there's anything to that. If it's just happenstance, it's it was, just kind of weird. And I think three of them were in Lambeau, weren't they? So you had I know this one, one in Lambeau. One was in San Francisco. That was kind of the emergence of Colin Kaepernick and the double option, and they just torched the Packers. 45-31. That was the year that the um, yeah. Ravens beat the 49ers in, in the Super Bowl. That was 13. I don't remember where the NFC Championship was two years ago. I thought San Francisco was the one seed. but I, I Yeah, I yeah, yeah, it okay. was. And, and so San Francisco in, yeah. won by about a million mm-hmm. because um, – yeah, because we talked about it wasn't San Francisco because last year was the only time Aaron Rodgers has played an NFC title game at home, ever. Do you take the 49ers seriously as a team that can win the Super Bowl? Um, I mean, they went, they went what, 10-7, and seven, in as barely much, got in the playoffs? In as much as I take, I mean, they, they beat the, the one seed. Yeah. Um, in as much, yes, I, I, I do, and I think, like, I don't, I wouldn't say this about, um, about a team in the Final Four. Like, okay, if, if a 10 seed makes the Final Four, I don't view them as a legitimate threat to win the national title. Like, are they more like that? No. Okay. I view, But I view, because the NFL is so much different, I, I think if you are in your conference title game, you are a threat to win the Super Bowl, period. Because every team, like, the worst team, not even the worst, let's just, in college basketball, the difference between the thirty second I think the difference between the thirty second best team in college basketball and the best team in college basketball is a wider gap mm-hmm. than the the thirty second best team, aka the worst team in the NFL and the best team in the NFL. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean the Jaguars have, you know, the number one pick in the draft and, and they beat they the Bills. Beat the Bills, they beat the Colts, they yeah. beat the Dolphins, right? Like So I I but yes, I, I think if you make um if you make your conference championship game, you're a threat to win the Super Bowl, period. Yeah, I, I think be- you're right. Because I, it gets to the point where... They would be fourth on our power rankings, but they could still yes. win it. Oh, right? yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah um, Jimmy Garoppolo was like not very good in the way... That's what's weird. If you told me like Jimmy G got hot and they're a good running team and they have a good defense, although they couldn't really get the running game going yeah. either. Jimmy G wasn't... He wasn't terrible, yeah, but... The, it was, you know, it was a block punt. in the end zone. Yeah. It, was, it was a block punt. That Which, was it. There were precursors to that for the Packers about the special teams. It, it's it's not often... Like, you could be a bad special teams unit and it still doesn't come back to haunt you in the NFL, but if you're an atrocious special team unit where like disasters happen. Yeah. We saw it against the Chiefs. I mean, quite honestly, even with Jordan Love starting, the Packers could have won that game if not for special teams. Yeah, stats, absolutely. Right? Um, that was a disaster this year, and it's weird that that ended up coming back to haunt them, but it's just crazy to me because the 49ers were down whatever it was, like 17 nothing to the Rams. A, a very good team, obviously. Mm-hmm. The Rams are in the NFC Championship game. They're hosting the Niners now. If the Rams finish out that game, 49ers aren't even in the playoffs. And now they go to winning at Dallas on a weird game. They win at Green Bay in a weird game. Yep. I don't know. Maybe they just have like the team of destiny vibes going toward them. It's just weird because I thought, like, I was talking with a friend before the Super Bowl, and he he put some money on San Francisco going to the Super Bowl, and I was like, dude, there's no way. Like, what, what kind they of would odds have to go. I, I don't remember, but they were good odds. But I was just like, dude, you realize they're gonna have to win at Dallas, who's got this explosive offense. Then they'd have to win at Green Bay. Like, good luck with that. And then they'd have to win either at Tampa Bay or the Rams. Ain't happening. And and here yeah, we are. Here they, we are. They've been on a heck. Of a I, I do think the Rams. I haven't seen a line for that game. That line might be bigger than the Chiefs Bengals game. 
So, yeah, Rams get there. They almost blow it to Tom Brady and the Bucs. It felt like they wanted to lose at some <laughs> point. I mean, the fumbles, they were up 20-3, to three, and then Cam Akers at the end of the first half, that could have been the, like, step-on-the-throat moment if they get a touchdown there, go up 27-3 at halftime, although I guess it was 28-3 in the Falcons, so you never mm-hmm. count out Brady. But It was 27-3. Well, it, it, it eventually did, but I'm oh, saying okay, it would have gotten half- there even before half. And, okay. then eventually and then that would have made it 30-3, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So you fumble there, and then you have the fumble in the second half when I think it's 27-6, and that allows them to make it back 27-13. Then you have the, the 47 field, field goal. short. Short. That never on 47 happens. yarder, it comes up what short. What on earth? What is which, this, like which, 1940? That's the thing. Like there, there would have been a time where 47 yards would have been a long field mm-hmm. goal. And even but like now, playing in Tampa 40, too, it's not like bad condition. Yeah, forty-seven yards going wide is one thing. That game, that thing came up short. That was really weird. And then you had the all they needed to do was get a first down on the final drive, and the game was over. And it looked like he was about to get it. It, it was like and okay. instead he just goes, "Oh, yeah." It's like okay, worst case, it'll be third and one. Like they're Here, in a let good me spot. Hand you this football guy in the other uniform. Unbelievable. But the play at the end of the game, Matthew Stafford, perfect deep ball, and. Cooper Cup, I've, I've heard this a lot, like, how could you not be doubling Cooper Cup or something like that? I think the bigger question to me, because, it, I mean, the guy they had him on, Antoine Winfield, was rated as the number two safety by Pro Football Focus. They didn't have, like, a scrub on him. The bigger issue to me was Todd Bowles was basically like, no, we're going to we're gonna zero blitz here. Everybody's going to be in man coverage. And Matt Stafford literally had the number one passer rating this year against the blitz. Why yeah. would you do it in that situation? Just keep it in front of you. They didn't have any timeouts. If you, you stop them to 10, 15 yards, it's not a situation like the Chiefs where the Chiefs got 15, 20 yards and then they got to call timeout. Yeah, they yeah. didn't get the luxury of doing that. They would have had to spike it and then throw a Hail Mary or something. Yeah, you know? I, I and and spe- the other thing about that is you you all you need to do is keep everybody in front of you. Mm-hmm. Like that that's all you really need to do, and, and that's the only thing you, you couldn't do. And a zero blitz prevents you. Look, we all accused when the it was last year, two years ago, when the Jets ran a zero blitz. It was last year when the Jets ran a zero blitz against the Raiders. We accused them of throwing games, and just to prove that they weren't trying to uh, automatically to to, uh, willfully throw games, they fired the defensive coordinator (laughs) right after that game. And like that was the same play that, that happened on there. Uh, and then now you 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 go into the Tampa Bay locker room where Bruce Arians is probably beating the hell out of people. <laughs> he does not. I I don't know. I'm not a big Bruce Arians guy. He I think doesn't he, seem like a nice dude. Every problem, every beef that people have with Tom Brady, I have with Bruce Arians. He seems like a horse's ass, and not like in a you're a coach, so you got to be tough on mm-hmm. players. I get that. You you can't be a good guy. You can't be a friend if you're a coach because you're you're. You're you're trying to get people to push themselves beyond their physical what they view as their physical limits. So you have to be a, a difficult, uh, hard personality. Sometimes he's just a jerk. Yeah. And then okay, that was very satisfying. You smack a by player, the way. and then you you smack a player. Oh yeah, but I'm gonna I'm gonna fight this fine. No. Right. No that that he's an ass. That was satisfying seeing him lose. That was it was. I'm, Everything. Look, I got no rub with Tom Brady. I'm not a fan. Like, I'm not going to cheer for the guy, especially when he's playing against the Chiefs. But I, I got no problem with with Tom Brady. I, I admire greatness. I think it's cool that he's been in our generation. Um, but the excitement that everybody felt about Brady losing that game, I felt because Bruce freaking Arians lost it. Yeah, and there was a satisfying moment. I I know that could have been a flag or something like that, like on the Von Miller hit. But like, that was without a doubt 
funny seeing him get a uh, penalty for yelling at the ref because his lip was bleeding. Like, okay, cool. Um, didn't you say you guys were talking? You and um, Joel were talking before our show. Didn't? Wasn't he on some podcast? Yeah, I complaining guess he was. that he or, or saying that yes, said. I get yeah. called. Yeah, our, our boss uh, Joel, who you also hear on radio for Grown Ups in the mornings here on KLWN, he was saying that at one point, either this season or maybe even as recently as last week, Brady had basically said, "Okay, yeah, I, I do get quite a few calls." Are there uh, any takeaways? So the other game, Bengals beat the Titans, and that means the two one seeds went down. That means the two teams coming off bye weeks went down. Do you have any takeaways? Do you want to go there? Do you want to say it's bad to have a bye week, or do you no? Because it weird never year? has been before, mm-hmm. and I still I still say it's very it's very simple, uh, especially when you look at last year when now it was now so far in the, in this new system, um, teams with a bye week. Only one has made the Super Bowl, and that was last year's Chiefs. Such a small sample, though. But in in the grand scheme of things, look, it's very simple, and and you're right, small sample size, and just it, it's it's the say it out loud test. Would you rather have to win three games to go to the Super Bowl or win two games to go to the Super Bowl? Yeah, it's very simple. Yeah, against good teams, right? Yeah. As far as the Bengals that win over the Titans. I don't know if I've ever... I, I'm sure it's happened before. Like I'm sure you could dig up some old stat and it, you can find something. I have never seen a team that gave up nine sacks win the game. Uh, I've got that. I've got a, a thought about that coming up on um, on our uh, overreaction. Okay. Um, well, I, I won't spoil that, but just like it is incredible to me that the Bengals have the, Joe Burrow, who is... I, I think that he's was, probably a top five quarterback. The, he's like right on that fringe, the right? The Titans just lost in every single way that the 90s Chiefs lost. <laughs> yes, that's they, true. They, 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 they execute their game plan to perfection. Mm-hmm. Their, their elite defense plays at an elite level, and they just get beat by a team with a good quarterback. Well, they just uh, that's what I'm saying with the Bengals. Like You have this top five quarterback. You have these top five receiver op. Like They might have the best group of receivers. If not, they're like in the conversation between everyone they have. They have this top five running back this year. Um, they've got like good pass rushers. They've got a solid defense. And the offensive line is like so, so bad. And it's amazing to me that you can have one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL, but because they are just so, so good in every other way, <laughs> they've been able to overcome it and they did maybe get a little lucky on a tipped-up interception and everything, but in the playoffs... Luck you know, happens. Yeah, and you got to be in that position to where you take advantage of the luck, right? And they did. So uh, I think all four teams, very worthy teams to be here. All four teams, very worthy that they could win the Super Bowl. There's nobody left that I see that, like, like, like you said, if you make the conference championship game, you are a real threat to make the Super Bowl. But even then, like a couple years ago when the Titans were in the AFC championship game, there was a part of me that was saying, "Yeah, that team ain't win the Super Bowl." I think that you know? yes, I agree, but I think that had a lot to do with who they were playing. Sure, I just think like the Chiefs. You know, I, I just felt like that game the Chiefs could play their B game and still win. Yeah, um, but you know, again, that's that's not that's a, that's a good comparison though because that Titans team. I just I I say that to say that every so often there are teams where you feel like, yeah, that would be really hard to see them winning it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I cannot see that with any of these four teams. I agree. I can picture no, any of these four teams. No combination of victories would, would stun me this weekend. All right, let's get to our NFL Monday overreactions next. With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. 
coming up in the five o'clock hour, we're going to preview the KU Texas Tech game. <laughs> There's so much that happened this weekend, and of course, KU plays on Monday night. I, a top fifteen match. I know. I wish they could space it out. You know, give us a few days to kind of condense well, it, on all this like Chiefs and KU about stuff over the weekend. Ochai throughout not just our show, but throughout the Kansas City area. KU and Ochai would be the biggest talk of the town of the Chiefs in previous Chiefs years. But now they've got Mahomes and they're just regularly going to the AFC title game. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, we got to get to our NFL Monday over reactions. So let's go ahead and get rolling here. We'll do three each. I'll start up. Number one, Josh Allen headed into next season. The 2022-23 season is the second best quarterback in the NFL. There was a lot of talk during that game. It was almost ominous, kind of weird. Although part of me thought that maybe that it was just the broadcast trying to make more of it than it actually was to try to make it seem more interesting. But they kind of made it sound like Tom Brady coming back is, is very much not a for sure thing. Even if he does come back, it's another year of age. I think Josh Allen could be better than him. Um, Aaron Rodgers, obviously, is a big one. He's probably going to win MVP this year. But again, like we don't know... If he even wants to come back, we don't know Who what team he's going to play yeah. for, what's the fit and everything. I, I think the caveat there, you know who I have as the number one quarterback for next year, one Patrick Mahomes. I think Josh Allen is the second best quarterback headed into next season. Um, I would, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to argue against that. I, I think um, the, of those three, he's the one coming off the loss that put up the great greatest performance. And I think the knock on Allen, I, I think it was, yeah, he can perform at, at an extraordinarily high level sometimes, but he's shown a floor that is lower than other great quarterbacks. Um, but now he's kind of put together multiple games. Now, he still had some games this past year where he was flat bad. Uh, but as the season wore on, he showed that not only is the ceiling still great, that his floor has really come up too, so his worst games still aren't that bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go, let's see, what do I want to talk about? I'm going to say, this is when I I brought up the Titans game. Defense is less than 15% of the total equation for postseason success. The Titans had an amazing defense. They got nine sacks. They lost. The Chiefs were top 10 defense. The Bills were the number one scoring defense. That was a game in which it went well over the total. It went into the 70s. And it was, it was in the 70s even before overtime. It was 72 points before overtime even started. Defense to win in the postseason. Everyone says, oh, the offense wins the fan, but the defense win the games. You want to win a championship, you have to have a great quarterback, a great offense. Defense is less than 15% of the equation to win a postseason, uh, to, win, to have great postseason success. I think uh, of the top 10 defenses in the NFL, like most of them are, are out of it at, at this point. Um now, you could also say, well, there's only four teams left, so certainly most teams are going to be eliminated. But, yeah, you're right. I, I don't know if this is like a paradigm shift of something where just with the way the game is played nowadays and with how many good quarterbacks there are, if it's just even more important to have a good offense than a good defense, or I've, if it's always been that way and maybe it was just a misconception where even though it. you know the best offenses now are averaging maybe 35 as opposed to back in the day maybe with slower tempo and, and running attacks it was 27 but you still needed a good offense and i guess maybe the proof is in the pudding there because like for example you know you have you think about some of the past dynasties like in the 90s 
the guys we know about on the Cowboys, it's Troy Aikman, Emmitt Smith, and, and Michael Irving, right? In the yeah. 80s, it's about the 49ers and Joe Montana. Exactly. And and all those teams did have like good defenses. They were balanced. So maybe that's the lesson too. Just be good at both ends. But yeah, I think that they're uh And and when you look at the greatest show on turf, we're thought of as as incredibly forward thinking because they threw on first down and they had three or four wide on first down. And that's just commonplace now. But yeah, like I'm looking at the top three scoring defenses in the uh, NFL. Buffalo was number one. They're out, although they very easily could, could yeah. you know. Denver was number two, didn't make the They playoffs. didn't even make the off. New England was number three. And they got blasted early. by Buffalo in the first round. New Orleans, four, didn't make the playoffs. San Francisco's five, they're still they're in. in. Tennessee's six, they're out now. Tampa out. Bay, seven, out. Dallas, eight, out. Green Bay, nine, out. Colts, ten, didn't make it. Yeah. So, kind of interesting there. Okay, uh, my number two. NFL Monday overreaction. Debo Samuel is the most valuable non-quarterback offensive player in the NFL. There's a lot of caveats there. Basically, best offensive player, not not a quarterback. That is Debo Samuel right now. On the course of the season, he did more as a receiver. 77 catches, 1,405 yards, six touchdowns. That on its own is enough to say he's one of the best receivers in the NFL. But he also had 59 carries for 365 yards and eight touchdowns. I'm not saying he's the best receiver in the NFL, but he is the most valuable non-quarterback offensive player. Playoff stats so far, he switched around a little. They've been using him a lot as a running back. 20 carries, 111 yards, and a touchdown. He also has six catches for 82 yards. He just does everything for this team. He's the best receiver. He is probably the best running back. He has just been so efficient at everything they're asking him to do. He is ridiculous at what he does. Now, I would be a little worried the fact that we know that running backs have so much shorter lifespan in the NFL and the fact that you're using him in between the tackles so much, like, is it going to lessen his lifespan as a receiver? Probably. Yes. But for the near term, he's so, so dynamic and so good. The only arguments I could put up against that would be Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Mm Mm-hmm. But I would say what's more likely, if you take away, let's just say one, because Debo Samuel is only one person. If you take away Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill and you take away Debo Samuel, what's more likely, the Chiefs without one of those guys still remaining in the AFC Championship or the Niners without Debo Debo Samuel still remaining in the NFC Championship? And I think the answer is the Chiefs still being around. I don't think the four as great. And, and as important as, as special teams and, and and Aaron Rodgers not playing, you know, playing basically average, as, as important as all that has been, I think Debo Samuel has been huge for this playoff run. Not just the playoff run, but the Niners just getting in. Um, We're going to move on. Did you have anything to add, nope. by the way? Okay. Uh, I'm going to move on. The Kansas City Chiefs could get into field goal range faster than Usain Bolt's fastest 100-meter time. What was his fastest Nine point five eight seconds. They did it in ten last night. But that's we don't know. It could have been you know twelve point eight on the clock, and they right. Yeah. Um, well, no, they did it in ten because there were three seconds left when Harrison Butker kicked the field goal. That's right. Should the Chiefs sign Usain Bolt? That's an interesting one. I don't think you he know? wants to. Just like, just have him run deep routes. If he doesn't want to come. I, if he doesn't want to come out of retirement to just run, then he doesn't want to get out of retirement to run and get hit. Yeah, that's a good point. He's like, hey, I've made millions of dollars. I'm super famous. Why would I want this? Okay, my third one. The Bengals will win a Super Bowl during Joe Burrow's rookie contract. This is year two. You have five years, right? Yeah. 
I mean, they could win it this I, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They could. I, I and I, I would say that. I would also now you're counting because I'm guessing they sign him to a second contract before this one is up. Mm-hmm. However, I would imagine they would It'll do be backloaded exactly, right? yeah. and they would do what the Chiefs did with, with Mahomes, where what is technically the first year of that of that contract, he's still getting paid as if it's a rookie contract. Yes, and I would count that. Um, it's hard to argue against it. I mean, he, he's. They're in the AFC Championship. They could very well win. Um, they, they're probably going to be in line to win the AFC North next year. I think Lamar Jackson, we're starting to see the effects of them relying so much on his legs. I think the Bengals are going to be, at at worst, plus 120 next year to at the beginning of the season to win the AFC North, so, which means, okay, that's at the very least a home playoff game. Well, and even if they don't, I think you're at a point now with Joe Burrow and the passing attack. Because, again, this is just year two, and he was he was so good this year already. Uh, top five MVP candidate, like, he's going to get better. You feel like he's one of those guys that even if we don't win the division, we get a five or six seed. Yes, we can go on a run. Yeah, yeah. But, I, yeah, it, yes, that's very true. Um, Let's see. I've got two left. I got it, but we're only doing three. So, let me... Um, I'm going to say this one. Uh, Aaron Rodgers belongs in the Marino discussion for disappointment when it comes to lack of postseason accomplishments. Marino made one one Super Bowl. The difference is uh, Rodgers won the one that he made. Um, I think he, yeah, I think he deserves that that talk, that treatment. Uh, I think he's amazing. I think he, with the exception of maybe Patrick Mahomes, I think Aaron Rodgers is the best thrower of the football we've ever seen. And he just, and, and finally, you couldn't even say, well, it's because he, you know, he's had to play on the road. Um, he he's gotten his chance. He, he could have hosted the NFC title game this year. They could have hosted it the year they went fifteen and one and lost to the Giants. They did host it last year. And, and look, it's not all on Rodgers, just like it wasn't all on Marino. But Rodgers is in that talk now. Yeah. Um. And I do think like he's been so efficient in the regular season, but for whatever reason, like it just it hasn't always carried over to the postseason. Even in some of these games, like you know, it's it's totally fine. You lost to Tom Brady in the NFC Championship, but also. Tom Brady threw three picks in that game, right? Yeah. It's just some of those other ones, like you said, losing to the Giants in the divisional round, a team that was 9-7, and seven, losing to the, the 49ers, although I guess the Giants team won the Super Bowl. It's it just, I don't know, something's a little off there. Okay, my loser of the week is NFL overtime. Everyone is just taking a crap on NFL overtime, so it might get a revamp. So it lost this week because everybody's mad at NFL overtime, but it's the loser of the week. Because even though everyone's mad, it could make it better, you know, in some way. I don't know. Could be. Or maybe it'll get worse. Who knows? We'll find out. Okay, with Adam Gravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Two hours down, one to go. We talk KU Tech next. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Five o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, klwn.com. And the KLWN app with Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. We uh, had a lot of conversation today about the great weekend that was in sports. Chiefs with that unbelievable come back in 13 seconds to go. They win the game onto the AFC Championship for the fourth straight year, hosting every year. Uh, we talked a lot about KU, Kansas State, that big comeback there. It was it was one of the, the best 
local weekends of sports that I can remember from being here. And now, of course, there's already another KU That's basketball a, game it's, tonight. There's a top 15 matchup tonight inside Allen Fieldhouse, and, and we're talking about it in the 5 o'clock hour. <laughs> yeah, we haven't even touched on That's it. That's crazy. This is, uh, yeah, it is unbelievable. That, and, and, that, and I'm not, like... And I get it. I understand why. Like it's that's just that's just how the weekend went. It was unbelievable. So Texas Texas Tech is trying to do what I believe only two teams have done in Bill Self history at Kansas, which would be sweep the regular season twosome with KU. Who's the other one? So Oklahoma State Oklahoma did State, it in I know, 20, in 2018, 2018, yeah. Um and then uh Texas did it last year. That oh, that's game right. That, that stupid game with 75-72 mm-hmm. was one of them. Yeah, and then they just oh. demolished KU in yeah. Allen Fieldhouse. I forgot it. I forgot they did that. Oh, that's disgusting. Yeah, that really is a forgotten one. I, I almost forgot about that one, too. So what's weird is it, it didn't happen for so long. Now it's happened, too, in the last, whatever that is, four years or four seasons or something like that. Um, and one year you kind of – the other thing is last year you kind of forget it, forget about it, and then, t- and then the other one it was like, that KU team still went to a Final Four. Yeah, that was a weird one too because Oklahoma State like wasn't a very good team. They didn't even and make then the tournament. They played them a third time. Yeah. In, in the Big Twelve tournament, KU really beat them comfortably. Yeah, they pulled away in the second half there. So we'll see what happens today against Texas Tech. Um, the thing that I don't love for KU in this game compared to you know when you have the round robin in the Big Twelve, a lot of times it's like okay, if we lost to this team in early January, now we're playing them again in late February, and it's like we're different teams now. Yeah, we've one. learned our mistakes. I, I'm a little bit concerned that this game is is kind of a short turnaround from where the first one was. Like you've you've played four games in between then. This isn't playing yeah. the full Big Twelve state slate between then. It's been 16 days since you played them. Yeah, so like, yeah, yeah. How much different are you really? Yeah, that's a good point. I think if you needed an immediate answer, you could say Jalen Wilson has become better. And and I think what we last time we talked, it was three out of four games. Now I think we can say four out of five. Um, David McCormick has become steadier. He did score just eleven points, but he had thirteen rebounds, and he was I think exactly what you needed out of him. Um, uh, you know, on Saturday. So there's been an emergence, but I, I would agree this is far. This is a far cry from, you know, playing them February fifteenth. And certainly the big number that stood out the first time you played them, the number that everyone was talking about, was the thirteen seconds. <laughs> no, the oh, other game. Sorry, uh, I'm I'm used to that number. I now. know, right? Uh, points in the paint. By the way, could you imagine if KU hit like a, a game winning shot with thirteen seconds? <laughs> Actually, you know, do you think because. I don't know. Usually they get Monday off if they play on Sunday, the Chiefs. Do you think Patrick Mahomes will be here tonight? That's a good question. I mean, he, he might. He's, you know, they they you're you're absolutely right. I I I think Mahomes is probably I don't know. He's he's, probably, he's either watching film. I will say he's got the newborn too. So that That's true. That kind of cuts in. If Patrick Mahomes came though and said to the student section, "Hey, as a thank you for what I did last night, you guys can't you can't cheer at all this game." You think they would do it? No. Okay. <laughs> the, the, at best, at best, they would say, okay, fine, we won't boo Texas Tech when yeah. they run out onto the court. <laughs> we'll give you one free throw. We won't mess with the guy. Um, but, but no, I, but, yeah, no, that's a good question. I, but I, I think, uh, the, the biggest thing I think is, is the, uh, if, again, I don't know his family situation, but I, I think it could be difficult for, 
him to say, look, I know I'm working way more because it's the playoffs and I know we've got a newborn, but I got to go watch yeah. the old alma mater and Lawrence. Right? Well, they were at, um, him and Travis Kelsey were at the like college football playoff game. Yeah, they were. Um, that's and that right. was during the season. Um, anyway, Texas Tech outscored Kansas 44 to 18 points in the paint yep. last time they played. Yep. So that right away is like the teller for me. Like how much different is this team? How much different is the five position? How much different is David McCormick? And how much different is the game plan to preventing that and being able to score inside? Uh, another key of, of KU not scoring as much in the paint. Now, this doesn't speak to giving up 44 points in the paint, but they ran into a ton of charges. Um, one of the things that was notable in the Kansas State game, they didn't run into any charges. And in the final, basically, real play, because they, they hit two free throws, um, but their final score on a regular field goal was the Ochai. The Ochai. Uh, and he curl. slipped right by a dude to the left. And he pulled to up avoid right the charge. before yeah. that charge, right? Yep. So that seems to be something that was emphasized for KU. I would imagine they're going to have a better effort in the points in the paint category. And if you can even those things out, like Texas Tech has not been a good shooting team. They're shooting just 32% from three. They're down to 26% from three in Big 12 play, which is last in the conference so far. They've turned it over a lot, although those numbers have actually gotten better in conference play, and KU has not been forcing turnovers. So that's not something that I would really worry about. But that's the thing for me. Texas Tech is a really good team at getting two-point shots, at getting offensive rebounds. If you can seal those things off, which... Like, that's the beauty of, of them being a good offensive rebounding team. Certainly with, with the effort and the, uh, I guess, approach to how they attack the glass, you're not going to completely limit them. Yeah. But, like, if you have a good defensive rebounding game, you know, there's, like, I, I just have a hard time seeing Texas Tech being able to do as much offensively as long as you can limit those offensive rebounding and opportunities. And so... I think this really, to me, just comes down to whereas some other games have been, what are you going to get from the guard play? What are you going to get for Remy Martin? This game to me feels more like, what are you going to get inside? Yeah, Jalen, Jalen, and Dave, the mm -hmm. two guys you really re rely on most for your rebounds. Uh, Christian Brown, uh, you know, can get them, but I don't know that you're ever going to get. Uh, you know, Christian Brown, you, you can rely on for five or six a game, but I don't think Christian Brown will ever be a guy who pulls down 15 rebounds. Dave McCormick and, and Jalen Wilson have shown an ability to do exactly that this season. So, I mean, I'm not saying they each need 15. If, if they combined for 15 boards or 30 boards between the two of them, that would be amazing. But I just mean those two are your are your leading rebounders. Um, and that's, yeah, and that's what it's going to come down to is is those guys taking away extra, extra chance opportunities for Texas Tech. When you have a, a pretty even matchup on both ends of the court, KU's defense hasn't been overwhelming. Uh, Texas Tech's offense hasn't been overwhelming. Texas Tech is fourth in defense. Kansas is third in offense. So it really is two strengths going up against each other. I will say from Kansas offensively, like this is just, you know, the classic Big 12 team who plays really good defense and Texas Tech forces a lot of turnovers. They're top 15 in the country in forcing turnovers. They are number one during Big 12 play in forcing turnovers. So taking care of the basketball, that's important. Remy Martin, what are you going to get from him? That's important. And I, I think moreover, against the team that plays this kind of no-middles defense, you're just going to have to hit jump shots. And so for that reason, I look to Ochag Baji and say, mm -hmm. can you keep playing like a National Player of the Year candidate? And he's the, look, the only time his, his, his points came up less than National Player of the, uh, of the Year candidate numbers was because he missed a, a big portion for uh, because of a, 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 an injured hand. And in that game, he, he only scored 11, but they all came in, in a single half. So, you know, he's 
he has been a model of consistency this year, and it's been amazing. Yeah, that first Texas Tech game, man. This could be a big night for, for Brown, I think, offensively. Has the potential to be because if, if it is going to take jump shots, I mean, this could be – I mean, I'd feel if, – if I could give you – you know, we talked about the importance of rebounds. Would you take – you know, if, if, this, if this turns into a night, like if Brown is hot from three, which he's actually cooled off a bit, which is frustrating. But, you know, if, if Brown – you can get Brown and and Chris and um, Ochai combining for forty. You take that, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. Christian, when he played Tech last time, ten points. I, I think what we're quickly learning about Christian is that he's a fantastic transition player, but he's not going to do as much in the half court setting when he's not, especially when he's not knocking down threes. Yeah. Um, with that, Ochai, that was the difference in, in the half court setting earlier this year. He was canning threes. Yeah, um, I, I guess there's a couple things I look at uh, when the first go around Texas Tech. We mentioned the points in the paint difference. It was also, you know, an efficiency thing. Texas Tech shot 62 percent on two point shots. That can't happen again. They didn't shoot well from three, but it didn't really matter. KU also had 17 turnovers in that game. So both those things that I mentioned that are tech strengths, they were able to play to them and Kansas yep. wasn't able to to overcome them, and yeah, that five position, Mitch Lightfoot gave you zero points, zero rebounds in 10 minutes. David McCormick gave you 14 minutes of play. He had four points, six rebounds, and one of three. Zach Clements gave you nine minutes of play. He had one rebound and zero points. Um, KJ Adams gave you three. Because uh, Bill Self, we've mentioned this many times, has talked about the uh, 20 points, 12 rebounds from the five position. This doesn't add up to all the minutes there, but Mitch, Dave, Zach, and KJ would add up to 36 of the 40 minutes mm-hmm. in that game, and they only had four total points and eight total rebounds. Yeah, and, and I'll say there's something that's not quantifiable, and, and maybe I'm putting my foot in my mouth tomorrow and I look like an idiot, but if if this this feels like a team and so far has been a team that will get up for big moments. Top 15 matchup, a team that's already beat you. You're at home on Big Monday. You're the game of the night. Um, I just, I, I don't know. I, I feel like if if, if this, te- like this team can solidify itself as one that steps up for big moments tonight. Yes. I do think, though, I, point spread of seven, Ken Palm has a six-point game. I think it's a one-possession game. I yeah. think it's maybe a four-point game or something. Look, we've seen so end. many games in the 60s now that have been over-unders, you know, one, two possession. And a half. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of crazy. It's like, what, 72, 66, Five, basically? Yes, yeah, something, yeah, something like, that. like that. Um, If KU can win this thing by two possessions, I'll be. Yeah. Well, look, if they win it, period. Top 15 team, I'll, I'll take a win. However, you want to give it to me, um, but yeah, it, you know, I just I think KU has you know, this is an important game. This is a huge game. You don't want, you know, you don't want to get swept. One for pride purposes, two, you know, for as far as winning the Big Twelve go goes, if you can avoid getting swept and if you can hold home serve again in all your home in all your uh, Big Twelve games. That's huge. Well, what we said, we said, you know, a couple weeks ago, go 14 and four in conference play, and that might be good enough to win the Big 12. If it's not, you're still going to be feeling good that, hey, we went 14 and four. That puts you in at least the realm of possibility for even if you didn't win the Big 12, which I think we both think could win the Big 12. 
it at least puts you in the conversation for a one seed nationally, right? Yes. Um, and to get to that 14 and four, what we said, and, and I've heard Bill Self talk about this, can you hold serve at home? Like you said, go nine and zero at home and go five and four on the road. Well, you are what three and one on the road right now when, uh, Two and zero at home. Do I have that right? They've only played two home games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, three and one on the road. Two and one, two and zero at home. Um, Who have they beaten at home? By the way, it was Iowa State and West Virginia. West Virginia. That's right. West so, Virginia was the was the clobbering. You're on pace, but if you lose the tech, all of a sudden the good work you did last week with winning two road games exactly. gets a little mitigated. The, right? the yes, the 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 goodwill you've you've stored and the and the the deposit you've made in the banks. In the bank with uh, with your road win so far really gets a setback if yeah. you don't pull this off at home. And this is the start of that really hard stretch. Texas Tech, Kentucky at home, at Iowa State, Baylor at home, at Texas. So you want to get started on the right foot for this uh, difficult stretch. All right, we got to get into Rock Chalk, pick a hawk. Really quick recap of the game on Saturday, Kansas State. I got State. my ass kicked. You did. I, I got a little back on that point differential. Ochai got me 35. Jalen got me 31. That was enough from those two. To beat you overall, I had a ninety-seven to fifty win, so I'm a six and three on the year in the Rock Chalk Pick a Hawk uh, for Texas Tech. You had the first pick in that game. Yep, I have the first pick in this game. I'm actually going to change it up. We've been going Christian Brown number going one Ochai. overall. I'm going to go Ochai. Just at thirty-five last games, playing like National Player of the Year. I, I mentioned how I think Christian it is is becoming apparent. He's an awesome transition player. Yes, there's still stuff to work on in the half court unless he's hitting open threes, like you said, and that could happen tonight. But um, because I think you're getting more out of Ochai and because I think a lot of these Big 12 games have more come down to the half court with the way these everybody plays defense, I'm going to take Ochai number one. I'm going to take Christian number two, and I'm going to take the guy who has become popular as the third spot lately, Jalen Wilson. Yeah, Jalen at 31. That was the second most of anyone um, for the Kansas State game for our uh, scoring system. The which thing is, about Jalen is even when he was struggling to score, his effort was still getting a lot of rebounds. Yeah, which is weird because the, the Texas Tech game was like the one game where he was actually scoring. He had 20 points, but he only had two rebounds. Yeah. I think you would rather, I mean, I was about to say two points, 20 rebounds, but the Dennis Rodman line is not one that I would expect. <laughs> so um, I think like if you were to say, would you rather get, 10 and 10 from Jalen tonight or get 22 and 5. I think you'd rather have 10 and 10 because Tech gets a lot of their offense on the offensive glass. Yeah. Um, anyway. Fair. Okay. Uh, I will take David McCormick. Okay. I, I think he has to play well for KU to do well tonight. If he doesn't, it's probably a bad sign. And then I will take uh, Dewan Harris with the next pick. Um, just kind of consistent player that we know. He's going to give you a couple assists, a couple rebounds, a couple points. It's going to be once again, I'm going to take Remy. And just one, you know, he, he's one of those guys where we're still waiting for that. Hey, man, it's can you have that happen. twenty point game? It's going. <laughs> can to you happen. have that twenty point game? And and I, I, you know, I hope I hope you're right. Um, so I took Remy, and then um, I will say though, I, we talked about on Friday how like this would be a perfect environment for Remy to go off because he seems to thrive on these opportunities. That was not the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're absolutely right. Um. So Remy and you know what? Let me get. There's Mitch. Yeah. There's Jalen Coleman lands. There's a little more off the beaten path with the, one say, of the other guards. Did you guards, say Tech is not particularly good defending jump shots, or is it just that they just happen to be really good in the paint? No. So Texas Tech is seventeenth um, at defending twos, seventy first defending threes, but they don't 
Like, they give up a ton of threes. They play this no-middles defense, and they basically say, we're not going to give you easy buckets. You're going to get some open looks from three, All right. but we have length that's going to close out on it on the perimeter and make it a little bit tougher. Then I'll take Jalen coleman lands. Okay, there you go. I actually do agree with that. That that probably would have been my pick there for you as well because of the fact that I, I do think there was an opportunity for him to come in in a game that is defensive, and if he hits a couple shots, he'll probably get run for 10, 12 minutes. If he doesn't, he'll probably, probably play only five minutes. Like, that's just... And, and if he doesn't... So, and if, if they're sitting on the bench, that means you can't get missed shots to take points away. Yeah, exactly. So it kind of works out. Okay, um... So I have Mitch Lightfoot. I don't want to go with Bobby Pettiford. He didn't even dress for the K-State game. Joey Asifu just can't figure out where he sits in the rotation. I, I think, actually, we probably can't figure out, but it's not in a good spot. So I will go with uh, Mitch Lightfoot and just get the big man insurance since I already took David McCormick. And between the two of them, probably combined for like 30, 35 minutes in this game. I, Zach Clements warmed up against Kansas State, so maybe he's back. But I, even if he is, I, I'm not really expecting him to play much. So I have the two centers there. Okay, that is our Rock Chalk Pick a Hawk and Texas Tech preview. With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Coming up next, we'll let you listen in to what Bill Self had to say after his team took down Kansas State in that big comeback on Saturday. This is RCST.